Welcome to the reprogram, where we reveal and heal the programs our nervous system picked up along our lives to protect us, where our children's improved behavior is a byproduct of the safety we've reclaimed in our bodies, where we use neuroscience to bring us back to love, where we bravely heal ourselves so our children don't have to. Intergenerational trauma ends with us. I see you. I'm with you. I am you. Let's reprogram together. Okay, everybody. I have a local icon with us today, Miss Robin Plemons. She's my number one person to talk about this topic with because she brings levity and wisdom as a killer combo. And we all need that. and We all love it. So Robin is a mother of two precious children. She is a wife. She has been voted three years in a row, the Mountain Express Indie Crafty Crafter Award. Yeah. She is the heartbeat of the Big Crafty, which is this event that happens in Ashland. The Southeast come in to sell their wares and you will find Robin's art, which is again, just this incredible mix of humor and wisdom. Her Christmas ornaments are the absolute best. Whenever I talk about you, Robin, I remind my mom, I'm like, she's the one that made the Christmas ornament that I gave to her that had Jesus in a manger. And it said, let's celebrate that baby. And then there's mm-hmm. a word bubble coming out of the manger that says, I'm in a manger, y'all. Sorry, I just have to say that. I'm always like, that's who Robin is. <laughs> I have a picture of you with that ornament. I mean, and then you gave me two years ago when I started stepping out of my private practice and doing more Instagram public stuff. You gave it to me because you could not sell it. No. But it said, Brene would be proud. Mm-hmm. And I will have that on my Christmas tree mm-hmm. until the end of time. Anyway, I could just go on and on. Robin has been really public in her... Um, rich Instagram feed that is full of so much goodness about her codependency recovery for about 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about codependency. So exciting. So important. It is. But yeah, so important. So important. So Robin, welcome. Thanks, Anne. I'm so happy to be here with you. I think what you're doing is so important and beautiful and it's going to free people up. That's the thing, right? The freedom. That's the thing. And I will say that my journey in recovering from codependency was the beginning of that freedom for me. The foundation of the freedom for me. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, first of all, just kind of like organize us around this concept because I think we hear about it a lot and we're not quite sure what it is. And I'd love to hear what you consider it to be, of course, Robin. And and what I think of it as is I'm only okay if things on the outside are a certain way. I think of it as like the 3D chess pieces of people, places, and things looking the way I need them to look so that I can be okay. And then we manipulate outcomes, we obsess, and we betray ourselves to try to get that thing because we think I'll be happy when. Right. I don't do do any of that. Yeah. No more. We don't do that anymore. (laughs) Yes. Sense of control, which is just an illusion. False False sense of control. Mm -hmm. False sense of Mm -hmm. control. This Mm -hmm. illusion that we 
have that power over other people in their lives. And it's, a, you know, I understand that I naturally did that because I have childhood trauma. Mm. And so for me to try to control my environment, of course, I'm going to try to control my environment because it's a protective measure. A thousand percent. And they say it works in childhood, quote unquote works, right? And then it stops working as we become adults mm-hmm. because it's an adaptation. Absolutely. And, and, and what that can look like too, I think that women in our culture, women in the patriarchy, there's a, there's a long lineage of women who have betrayed their internal truth, their needs, their wants, their desires their boundaries so that they can keep the peace with the man who has historically held such power in the family system. Yeah. Right. And then we come from this legacy of emotional intolerance, all the unaddressed trauma that have been unchecked and that have just passed down, passed down, passed down. And I think that what can also happen is when we have, this is can be very validating for people that aren't quite sure if this was their experience because it's been so invalidated. But one person in your family system, one parent that has taken up all the emotional space, they have the biggest emotions and the whole family system is reacting and responding to them and dependent on them. And they're unpredictable, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's abs- That's 100% my, was my reality. And of course, it was, I was, I needed to stay safe. And so I adapted these measures. Um, and, and what did that look like for you? Was it sometimes we want to be, we, we be helpful, we stay small, we produce, we overachieve. Who even yes. knows if our senses of humor are a part of our natural personality or just a trauma trait, right? <laughs> I just talked about that this morning in yeah. my therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's so funny. Yes. I think it's both. Sure. It's both. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, for me, it looked like stay small. Don't ask for anything that you might need or want mm-hmm. um, and coddle and keep the peace. I mean, I'm, I'm a middle child. I mean, mm. I'm just, I am that like stereotypical, like giver and, you know, you make people happy and say nice things don't rock mm-hmm. the boat. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so that just prepared me to dysfunctionally move through relationships for a long mm. time where it just ended up in that same dynamic where I met my husband and my whole world revolved around him mm-hmm. until it didn't. And then just cracked wide open. And then I was like, Oh, wow, there's all my stuff. <laughs> yes. And, and, and we do that right where we've, we've left our bodies cause it's too painful. We were left alone with those feelings. Our needs weren't, our emotional needs weren't getting met. And so we stopped even knowing what they were. Yeah. Right. And then we learned to glom on to another person that I don't know if you've come to this realization too, that your partner was familiar in a very subconscious way. Yes. 
a familiar pattern, a familiar dance that you knew how to play your role and, oh, he's going to play that role. And I like to think it's there to bring us into wholeness. And y'all have done that work so beautifully from what I know. Like Mm -hmm. y'all have answered the call to do the work and to know that your patterns are not yourselves and y'all are, y'all are freaking doing it, which is incredible. But yeah, right. Sometimes it feels like we're doing it. And sometimes it feels like, what are we doing? Yeah. When did you turn the finger, the point, the finger towards yourself and stopped being hyper-focused on your partner? Because that was the track for years, I'm sure of just how he's doing is how I'm doing. Why is he doing that? Why can't he stop doing this? What do I need to do to make sure he's better? Blah, 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 blah. And that doesn't have to be addiction with substances. It can be work addiction. It can be medical issues. It can be all kinds of ways that our partner can not be taking care of themselves and not be truly healthy. Yeah. And I think for the male-female dynamic, especially men have not really been modeled how to take care of themselves in a whole way. Yeah. Balance work and life and socialization and passions and hobbies and physical health, emotional health. My God. Right. Yeah. So I know that a lot of listeners have some form, have some form of this. Mm -hmm. It may not be drugs and alcohol, but it's something that is not, that is in between them and their partner that they want it to go away. And so we're going to talk about how we find freedom within that. Mm -hmm. So how, how has that looked like for you? I'm going to stop talking and let you go. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I turned that finger, you know, we're pointing a finger and you've got three all pointing back at you. Yes. Um, was when I walked into my first 12 step meeting mm. and I was wanting them to give me this like to-do list of like how to get your partner stop using drugs, stop drinking. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, just tell me what to do because, you know, as soon as he stops using, everything's going to be great and wonderful. And they basically were like, oh, guess what? There's not a list. Good news. There's <laughs> not a list. And also bad news, there's not a list. In, you know, it's like the powerlessness over here is mm. that I faced was scary because it was like, you literally can't do anything to get someone to face this disease of addiction. And it was also like, oh, well, I can let go of this. My brain can have some uh, knowledge that I literally can stop spinning these wheels of trying to rearrange all the outcomes and to take care of him. And so everything will be fine. Like it's not my responsibility. And, Mm. and actually guess what? You get to focus on you and Mm. yourself and how to prioritize your wellness. And that was a very foreign concept to me. Um, Because I was taught that basically being a martyr was (laughs) something to be proud of. And an accomplishment, um, you know, deny yourself. And I, I do genuinely love people and love being there for people. And also knowing where that balance is, mm. where if it like gets into the unhealthy thing where I feel responsible. Yes. And I think that I also learned that you're, you're, interrupting their own process, this other person that you are, you're meddling in it, you're, you're delaying it, you're complicating it. And you're not giving them the dignity to do their own work. Yeah. 
we call it interfering. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't even recognize that I'm interfering with mm-hmm. the potential catalyst that can bring people to change. You know, we can allow people to face their own suffering. Mm. It's not ours. You are not responsible for another person's well-being. And we're so afraid of darkness and sadness and big feelings. I feel like I'm just repeating myself constantly already on this podcast series, but because most of us were left alone with those feelings as children and they felt so terrifying and they felt endless. And as adults, we just unconsciously are trying to avoid going back in there and having that experience at all costs. And it creates so many problems when the answer is just to start to feel the discomfort of powerlessness, feel the discomfort of sadness, feel the discomfort of grief, maybe for a minute longer than we could yesterday. I was re-listening to Melody Beattie this morning in preparation of our conversation, just getting my head in the right space. And she's the god godmother of yes. codependency, you guys. But I loved what she said about growth. It's It's these tiny incremental invisible shifts that we make. And think of it with your garden, you come out in the springtime, there are these beautiful flowers, but stuff was happening in February beneath the ground that you couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And we are like that. And that was my journey. It was just these little moments. And I want parents to know that are eager to, to shift their patterns and reprogram. It's not a fast process. No, it's not fast. Okay. But it's these little moments where you stop hyper obsessing about your kid's behavior and you take a moment and say, what do I need right now? Yes. Just little, little tweaks like that are what build these new pathways. What do you say about that, Robin? Do you find that to be true? Oh, my gosh. Yes. In any relationship, especially parenting, mm. the more that I'm allowing myself to take care of myself, mm. the better I am to show up to that relationship in a way that I want to show up Mm. and not just in a reactionary type of way, which is not always where, how, how I authentically want to show up. Yes. And you've got a little, is she a preteen or a teen? She is 14. Full teen. So I have a 14 year old and a seven year old and they're both. Hey, hey. We are just neurospicy over here. <laughs> love it. That's what the people say on TikTok. Neuro- okay, neurospicy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of um, pumping the brakes with her because she'll, she will easily trigger just my anger, my frustration, my, you know, all of those uncomfortable feelings where I just want to change, fix very quickly. Totally. What's happening? Yes. Or I'm like, Mm -hmm. shut it down. Or that makes me feel terrible about myself. Or I'm going straight into my shame. The Mm -hmm. narrative, just spinning and spinning and spinning. But if I am able to like check in with myself Mm. and just pause, pump the brakes, just pause, which is increased with a teenager. 
Um, it's all psychological at this doing point. that, that developmental right? thing where they're just separating themselves. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, trying to resist the urge to control everything that's going on in her life. And yeah. And so I, if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm on edge. And if I'm on edge, sure. And I You'll- get triggered. The mm-hmm. chances of me reacting in a way that I don't want to react are just like <laughs> greater. And that, you know, is not ideal. And it happens. So I'm learning to do a lot of apologizing too. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And just like coming back in and be like, okay, so that was my stuff. My bad. Which is humbling. Yeah. And, and, Essential for secure relationship. The rupture repair piece of it is an essential quality of a securely attached child. So I want to remind all of us that, that we're not shooting for perfection because perfection's impossible. We're showing them what it looks like to be a self-reflective, accountable person who is thinking about their relationship. Yes. Who's always open to learning. And who prioritizes the relationship. And that's what you're doing when you take time alone and y'all been separated for 30 minutes and you come back into that room and you say, Hey, I just want to take responsibility for something and let you know that wasn't fair or whatever you say. You're showing I've taken my own time. You are that important to me. This relationship is that important to me. And I'm an imperfect human who is figuring a lot of stuff out with you and you model accountability and it's so beautiful. And I think that's such a load off because we feel such shame when we make mistakes because we were punished for making mistakes. Yeah. Right. Talk about high stakes back when we were little and that pathway needs to be reprogrammed. And that's what we're working on a lot with this community is just forgiving ourselves for being human, for responding and for learning truly. Mm -hmm. And we're learning a lot of stuff now in our 40s. My God, a lot. Right? Yeah. And I and tell that to my kids all the time. Like, I'm learning the same things you're learning kind of now. I said that and yesterday in, in her therapy session. Like, I was with yeah. her for a little bit of her session. And mm. I said, you know, and I, I've said this to her often. Like, I've never parented before. I have never parented a teenager before. And so I am also learning here. Mm -hmm. And I really want to prioritize like you feeling safe. And Mm. I know that has not always been the case. So Mm. I understand that your body is doesn't always feel safe with me because Mm -hmm. of how I reacted so strongly in the past. You're unsure of what you're going to get. And so I want you to know that my goal here is to try and take care of myself so that I can show up for you in a better way. And to be, I mean, just to be able to like say that there, there's no way that my parents would. Anywhere close to that. No, there's no accountability happening. There's no. Did, how did, yeah. Right. That was not something they thought they needed to do. Um, they were not told to do that. No. And they definitely didn't have that model to them, right? No, it's How authoritative. Did she... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How did she receive that? I'm curious. She was just like, okay. 
which, you know, it's fine. I'm also learning to allow whatever, you know. Unattached to the other person's response. Yes. Not at the same time. Ideal things of response, but, you know, that doesn't always happen. And that's fine. Right. There wasn't a deep embrace. But I think that when you get to the root of it, which is what you absolutely did, there was no defensiveness. There was no minimizing. There was no rationalizing. There was no pointing fingers the other way. Like you were just at the root of the truth in what you said. And I find that when we get to that, there's nowhere to go for the other person, but, oh, okay. Right. Like, I think it's it's a matter of like her seeing me live it out and she's got to receive it. Yeah, exactly. She's got to receive it. I am, I am, you know, when trusting someone Mm -hmm. in that way, I mean, she does trust me. We do have a loving relationship ultimately. Oh yeah. We do. But I also recognize in the ways that she's had trauma. We can't ignore mm. um, the trauma that she experienced when her father was going through addiction issues. And then his addiction manifested in, in an extramarital affair. Sure. And things were chaotic. And as much as we thought we were shielding her from that, she mm. picked up on it. Of course she did. Her body was mm-hmm. tense. I'm sure it was. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was on edge. Sure. Sure. So, sure, sure. Yeah, I was reactionary. So it's like a it's a an acknowledgement and the humility of it and just like allowing her to feel her very real feelings and not be dismissive of them or try to talk her out of them. Mm. And that's been a very uh, healing way to approach parenting. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, I was lovingly cheered up a lot by mm. a parent that didn't want me to feel bad ever, mm-hmm. which was so invalidating. And then I started to do that to myself mm-hmm. for years, right? To gaslight myself. I, I anything to worry about and it's okay. And, and, and I would do that process to myself of, I'm not going to feel that feeling. And so it's just so sneaky how many different flavors that emotional intolerance and fear can present itself in the parent child relationship and how the ultimate goal is to do what you just said is to trust and find safety in the feeling of the feelings in our bodies while they're learning how to move through the storm of emotion mm-hmm. and for us to trust that this is healthy this is important there is learning in this experience yeah and i'm okay if i'm okay they're going to start to learn that they're okay i think that's just the greatest gift we can give our kids is just to allow them to struggle with our safety embodied. Yeah. I mean, and the goal is not to not feel discomfort. Sure. The goal, sure. The goal is to like feel all of it. Feel mm-hmm. like it's safe to it's safe and normal mm-hmm. to be angry. Mm-hmm. It's safe and normal to XYZ fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. It's important actually, really important to feel yeah. anger. And as women raising girls We've got to change that narrative because anger is information showing us what's important to us, showing us where we feel like a boundary has been crossed. Yeah, I'm still processing 
allowing my anger. Mm -hmm. Because that was not the part about like getting in touch with our senses and my getting out of my brain because I can just ruminate and ruminate and spin and be consumed in trying to rearrange all the outcomes for my child. Oh, yeah. Children. Yeah. Just being fixated and concerned and and yeah I sh- it, there is a healthy part of like trying to think things out what's the best thing to do next but that's also, part of our role exactly yeah right? and yeah. also like what do I need right now in my own body mm. you know what is my heart needing right now my therapist was talking about that two weeks ago just like mm. you're, you're stuck here Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what can we do right now to help you get back into your heart I can do you know and it was she we went through this like um system of like it was, it was called smoothing out the edges and she would like you know smooth around her ears and held her and then it was just like tension thing and then she was like okay now drop it and I don't know where she got this but it was like mm. get back into your body and then she was like I can I can see that your energy is different. Right. And it's just like remembering that I can't think my way out of, I can't think my way into a different place. No. Yeah. You can't think your way through a feeling, out of a feeling, into a new feeling. And and that body touch too, I've learned that as well. Holding, holding ourselves is a felt sense of being held to the body, it feels held and therefore not alone. Mm -hmm. And that allows for some of that safety to be internalized so that we can move into the feeling and move back into our bodies and our hearts where we can feel the grief, feel the sadness, feel that worry feeling kind of move through us. And it's often wordless, right? It's, It's sitting on the yoga mat and just for one minute longer, just being with ourselves before we speak or try to control or try to think or try to eat or right, try to move, try to go. It's just that, can you be with yourself for one more minute than you could yesterday? And I've watched myself. That's been my process. Just a little bit longer. I can hang mm-hmm. in my own internal experience. That feels very trust. uncomfortable for mm-hmm. Well, I think about myself even five years ago of like, mm-hmm. because the fear is that I'll just lose it. Mm-hmm. Then I'll just become unglued. Never come out. Yeah. That fear is very real. Mm-hmm. But um, I needed to, to, to freaking just lose it. Sometimes you just need to. Oh, yeah. I've cried more just, in the last yeah. few years than I ever have in my life. I can... <laughs> Kind of get into a meditative state and then I'll just start bawling mm-hmm. and I'm weeping for the little girl and me and we're processing it together now where she's no longer alone because that fear is rooted in our nervous system, our brain, our body that is associating it with five-year-old Anne who couldn't get in the canoe at the cousin's birthday party and was devastated. Oh. Youngest cousin, mm-hmm. devastated and the adults were kind of laughing at me a little bit, right? You're fine. Don't worry about it. And to me, it was the absolute end of the world. And I know for us parents, we know when our child, their little brain has no context. The feeling is devastation. Mm -hmm. And when you're minimized, mocked, 
cajoled, distracted, mm-hmm. you're just, that, that feeling doesn't move through you. And you also get the message, I should not have done that. Yeah. The, the and, phrase that I keep hearing in my breath is, oh, you're fine. Yes, you're, you're fine. fine. We do it to ourselves now. And we're still thinking our kids are going to have that pain. And so we better fix it. We better make it better. Mm-hmm. But now we know we can give them love and empathy and validation and also trust that they will be okay because we've learned I am okay when I sit with a feeling and it's the only way I'm going to slowly unleash all the ones stuck in my system. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Do you feel that lightness from this process of coming back home to yourself and validating yourself and empathizing with yourself and being with yourself in the discomfort? And not sliding into that default place of shame. Mm. I caused this, Mm. which is not true. Right. But the good news is you're not that powerful. And the bad news is you're not that powerful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And allowing a lot of allowing of like, I don't have to, when she, when my teenager comes to me with something, I'll ask her, do you want me, do you need me to listen or do you want feedback? And a lot of times she just wants me to listen. Yeah, that's because such a good question. She, because like she can she can handle it. Yeah. You know, my my friend Glow, who she passed away a couple years ago. She was an incredible parent and spiritual person that mm. was just this vibrant, vibrant woman. Mm. She said they, something about parenting where it was like, they can handle it. They can handle it. Mm-hmm. They're learning. And really looking at it through the lens of earth school and trusting that my kid having a terrible teacher for third grade is something I have zero control over. And there's, there's lessons in that for her and I can't, and she doesn't actually, we love Miss Michaela. I'm just using that example, (laughs) but I can, I can be with her while she moves through that experience while also trusting that this is here for her Yeah. instead of. I want to remove all obstacles. I'm going to add even more judgment to the situation. Instead, it's, oh, well, here's this thing. Let's, let's figure it out together. Let's move through it together. And I trust that this experience is here for her growth. I, Just like all the ones yeah. are here for mine. The ones that I would never pick on a menu that mm-hmm. old me would have said, what? That's going to happen? And that's going to happen? No, thank you. I don't want that. But it has been. When, when you're looking at it through this lens of what is this here to teach me? How can I grow through this? How can I be stronger, more trusting, more authentic, more free, more tender, right? Mm-hmm. There's such beauty in it. And, and I've been blown away by what has come on the other side of these challenges in the form of just other people and experiences that were greater than my mind could have predicted. Yeah. I also like the idea that, um, well, I gave I, a couple of years ago, I gave my daughter this necklace that um, this local jeweler made, Alice, and it was two hands joining, like holding each mm. other's hands like this. Yeah. And I was just saying, like, you know, I know that you're going to go through stuff in your life. 
um, but you're never going to be alone in it. Mm-mm. And it's not that I will be the right person for you. I will always be there for you in any capacity, yeah. but I'm not always going to be the person that you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not always going to be the person that is going to have what you need in this moment. Mm-hmm. But there will always be someone out mm-hmm. there that yeah. will hold your hand through whatever you need. Mm. And figuring all this life stuff out. And that feels really good to just trust this universe. Yes. <laughs> trust my higher power of like, yes, you show up for me. And I know that you're going to show up for my kid too. Yes. And, and that feels a very, like a very important, hard, beautiful way to like let go of my child and her. I, she's not my little piece of clay to mold. She's her own yeah. person. And I'm just going to trust that I'll show up to my greatest capacity and when I need to, you know, how I need to. But also, like, she's not alone in this and I'm not either. I also think that there is um, an importance to not putting a silver lining on a shit pile. <laughs> sure, sure. So, yeah. like, uh, I like to say sometimes the greatest fertilizer. Oh my gosh, why am I forgetting my own sentence? Sometimes shit is our greatest fertilizer. Yes. It's basically <laughs> sometimes our biggest shit piles can be um, the greatest fertilizer for our own growth. Mm-hmm. Put in sometimes. And because sometimes shit is just shit. Mm. Sometimes it just really sucks. Mm-hmm. And there's no like silver lining it or having some some purpose or reason. But we we can't do that for other people. Is what I mean by that. Like, oh no, if yeah. someone has this huge pain or or something that crisis trauma happened, um, it does them a disservice for us to say, well, there's always a reason and. You know, this is for your own growth. That's dismissive. But like if, Mm -hmm. like just with my own personal stuff, it's just like, well, is this fertilizer or is this just plain shit? And um, because for someone who's deep in a place of pain and trauma, that feels like completely impossible. Um, totally. And there's purpose in that pain and they have to sit in it and come to that realization on their own and mm-hmm. trusting people do it in their own time. And they might have to sit in that dark room of pain for however long it takes. It takes what it takes, right? Mm-hmm. That's a really good slogan in the recovery world. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. That has been my own process that no one could have just said to me, I mean, I remember my mother's best friend when I was in high school is this very wise therapist. And she told me all these kind of Eckhart Tolle Buddhist esque like slogans Uh that I had to go out into the world and figure out, Uh get my own data. You know, I had to date those guys. (laughs) I had to, you know, I had to do all the data collection Uh on my own. I could not take her word for it. No, are you kidding? No, no. And and then the last couple of years, I've been like, wow, Cheryl was right about so many things. Uh But I had to take about 20 years to check it out myself. Right. Of course. And that's what our kids are doing in front of us. And it can feel excruciating and maddening because 
we have to move into supporting them. We have to move into supporting them. Like you said, like hearing them, supporting them, being that solid base. I love what you said. I, I've heard that slogan before too, around not doing anything in the moment is also a decision you're making, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, I just stay quiet. I choose not to respond. It helps me instead of thinking of what I'm not doing, what I am doing. I am choosing to not make a decision right now. That's so freeing to say the decision will present itself when it's ready. I don't have it yet. So I'm just going to not make a decision until I have more information. As parents, right? It is so important and hard to just trust that long game, man. Just trusting the long game and watching the day-to-day play-by-play of a vulnerable human that we love so deeply just learn and make mistakes and learn and make mistakes. They're going to be okay. I don't have conditions around what okay looks like for my child's life and just really being unattached to the outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than being healthy and securely attached. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have these, like we want our kids to be liked and we want people to be kind to them. And we want the, we want, you know, the whole high school experience or whatever that might look like. It has shifted in so Mm. many different ways and letting go of all those like expectations from my family dynamic places and, you know, my own high school experience, you know, just allowing however she's showing up in the world to be celebrated Mm, and letting it be her own experience yeah and not pushing oh well why don't you go talk to this friend or that friend or why not basically saying why aren't you different sure sure you know which is not helpful (laughs) not helpful and then that just again like muddies the waters of her own experience her own authenticity her own decision-making because it you get all that counter will too. Of, well, mom's wanting me to do this. I'm going to go this way, right? Like oh, yeah. in the opposite direction when they're individuating like this in teenage years. Oh yeah, that's 100% the dynamic. That's, yeah. And what kind of pep talks or what do you do when you said earlier, you take care of yourself? I know you seek your own therapy, but how do you sit with that lack of control over what her high school experience is like because she is like in it now right yeah yeah Yeah. so in it yeah I I uh you know it's funny I take a look at this but she wouldn't mind me talking about this because she's already given permission but she's a genderqueer individual Mm -hmm. which means she wants all the options basically in her (laughs) gender expression and her sexuality yeah (laughs) and which yay I love it like good for her. I think it's the way it should be. But um, mm-hmm. I take a look at um, the queer community that's out there that is just so fiercely advocates for themselves and are so celebratory of their community mm-hmm. and their, you know, and I just have so much hope that um, she's just paving, they're paving their way and they're, and she's going to have this at her fingertips, you know, like, mm-hmm. and just remembering that throwing my ideal, ideal, whatever that 
is, you know, sure. quote unquote, of what I want for her and her high school experience is not going to, it's not mine. Mm. It's hers. Like this is mm-hmm. her life. This is her experience. Mm-hmm. This is, um, and it's exciting in a way. Cause I'm like, I get to watch all of this unfold while I like, sometimes I'm, you know, bearing down and trying to remember to take care of myself while she's going through it, you know, but allowing not, not shooing my fear away, but just being like, well, fear, you're not going to drive this. Yes. Drive my experience. No, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I can just allow. Mm -hmm. I can just allow and allow her to have her own experience. Yeah. And just staying in touch with myself. Mm. And like you said, again, I'm like, what am I needing right now? Mm-hmm. What am I needing? Because a lot of time, you know, when in that codependency default place. Sure. Where you're like, I'm slipping back into those neural pathways. Like this feels familiar to me to try and control and ruminate and just tapping into like, what am I needing? Am I hungry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? Yeah. Do I need yes. a freaking nap? Like, yes. Do I need to talk to somebody or call a friend? Like, um, yes. Putting the focus a hundred percent back on you and all the things we do. I mean, with my, with my best friend this weekend, she has a seven month old and she had a, a lot of time as an adult without children. And we went for a run and she said, gosh, it used to just be, I make these choices. It was simple. Now I feel like every time I'm doing something for myself, I'm betraying my children. Right. Like, and I, but I said, do you want your daughter to be able to go for a run with her best friend that's visiting for 30 minutes and then come back all smiley and endorphin filled instead mm-hmm. of just begrudgingly stay home because mm-hmm. she feels guilty. And mm-hmm. she said, Oh my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's how she's going to know that's for her. It's for the good of the realm. Yeah. The good of the realm. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Is that a quote from something? Oh my gosh. It's from a Glennon Doyle. It's from Amanda Doyle. Amanda said it. Mm. We were talking the episode of, um, we can do hard things. And it's sure. about the best advice I've ever received. And it was like Justina Blakeney, the designer. She was talking to Amanda Doyle somewhere and she was talking about the concept of like, well, the things that I'm doing for myself is for the good of the realm. It's the good of the realm. The of the realm everyone. Like I'm doing this not just for me, but for the good of the realm. Like I just love that concept of like, it's the whole like, you know, put on your oxygen mask first. You yes. can't pour, pour from an empty cup. You know, yes. that whole idea, that whole concept, that whole way of practicing self-care. The, you know. it, it's not, it's not selfish. The good of the realm just feels so regal and generous. <laughs> I, I love that. The good of the realm the, just gesturing. You know, the oxygen mask is very scary. We don't want to think about that. But the plane's going there. down. Right. My no. God. Yeah, we're dying. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, that does not help me. Good of the realm. I am the queen mm-hmm. and my self-care is your care. I, right. I share it all. Yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. Isn't it great? Yeah, that's a really good note to end on. So my best friends, we were like scheming this girl's trip for a whole weekend where we just kind of like were with each other for a whole weekend. And I was like, let's rent a boat on Lake Lure and just spend the whole day on the boat and just in the water. And like, and I was like, it's for the good of the realm. We were like, yes. And quality over quantity with our kids, right? Like they don't need every second 
with us right there slaving away. Like we have got to change. That's what we're doing in this new paradigm is just keep thinking quality over quantity. I I want them to have a high quality mom. Not just someone function of me where I feel like I need to hover over them to like, sure. They need me to be in the house at all times. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. We're doing it. We're oh at least trying. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. We're doing it a little bit better than yesterday, maybe. That's exactly yes. right. And we can celebrate that. We can. We absolutely can. Mm-hmm. Oh, I celebrate you. I'm so glad you came on. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. Such an honor. I'm excited well, to be here. Yeah. Well, be and here. I have a couple more questions I've been asking people. What are you really excited about learning more about doing more? What's kind of on your growth edge right now that really like lights you up? Um, I am compiling a lot of this ridiculous absurdity that I've gone through this past year and a half with my uh, um, Crohn's disease diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just finding a lot of... um, levity and um, absurdity <laughs> in all of it because I have to I've had to talk a lot about poop and my butt and like <laughs> and so I'm like um, feeling this compulsion to like talk more about um, all the absurd things that happen to our bodies mm, these meat how, suits my god and, yes <laughs> and how there's so much silent suffering going on. I mean, yeah. the things that I have been through that <laughs> you would just die over. <laughs> like, like even, you know, when you go to the gynecologist and you feel so like. Inva- invaded. Yes. You're like, okay, now put your feet in the stirrups. Well, when, when you go to a colorectal surgeon, the mm. whole apparatus is different because you have to lift up your you know, pull down your underwear and bend over, like bend over and spread your cheeks, which just feels so crazy and invasive and vulnerable. Um, you know, trusting. Yes. <laughs> and to have someone that you, you trust to take care of you in that way. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. a myriad of like a parallels um, between like, taking care of our bodies, taking care of our souls, like having someone you trust and therapy to, to take care of you, help take care of you and guide you through this. And, you know, I'm just I, I, going through this chronic thing, being a mother and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's balancing all of it. And, mm-hmm. um, and then also the element of people silently suffering in their own yes. um, bodies, their own pain, their own, Things that feel unspeakable, you sure. know, like those of us who have trauma so deeply and so, you know, big T trauma, mm. um, you can't even touch it because it's so painful, you know, like talking about how it's like finding safe people, safe places to, mm. you know, look at it and to recognize just how deeply painful it is. That lights me up right now because I'm just can just feel the because I get when I talk about it openly on the internet, I get waves of responses from people who are like, I am terrified to talk about what's going on in my butthole because it, it feels so shaming. Even my husband doesn't know about this, that kind of stuff. Right, right? Yeah, shame can't live in the sunlight. No, 
and it can't survive in human connection. And you, y'all got to follow Robin. Her Instagram is just full of wisdom and humor. And she's been so candid about waiting in the waiting room for another (laughs) anal surgery and just being so (laughs) transparent and hilarious about it. And you're right. I mean, it's just such a gift to people that are silently suffering through crazy medical stuff that they never would have predicted could happen. And it can feel so scary and isolating because it's supposed to be so private and not everyone is as brave and called to be so open as you are, but it's such a gift that you are. And I can't wait to see what else you do with that because man, we need it. Thanks. It feels like a loosening, you know, like a, like, everybody, yeah, like as a relief, like people's finding relief, like a just mm. and like a, relief doula in a way where I'm just like okay it's gonna you know like yes it's very painful I see your pain yes let's talk about it you know and we can laugh a little bit about it or at least you can I can't laugh about it just take me out back like old yeller like just (laughs) take me yeah well and and you um I know you've said before that you always wanted to be a clown Mm -hmm. which I love and my Last week, my friend Elle, her mother was a clown. Oh my gosh. That's so Love funny. my clown gals. And please keep telling us all the things happening with your nether regions because we need it. The world needs it. Thanks. But yeah, and you guys follow Robin and she also has incredible artwork. Her Christmas ornaments. I mean, my whole Christmas tree is just gradually becoming a Robin Plemons graveyard shrine, yes. of, no yeah, shrine yeah. that's better shrine there's one um, person who has like 14 ornaments of mine they're all different but they oh go God. from like the biggest seller last year was one that just said this sucks and then the other the other end of the spectrum is like you make your therapist proud yes you know or, yeah. or celebrate your brave self you mm-hmm. know or, you know like ridiculous ones with penises on them you know I got a Lizzo one for a friend. Oh, yes. That was yeah. real good. So, I'm always Harry Styles one too. I did. I, I mean, it's all mm-hmm. my gifts. It's for me. It's for my people. Mm-hmm. But, um, and one more question I've been asking people, what do you just want all the parents on the planet to know? Well, I mean, again, like the better I'm taking care of myself, the better mm-hmm. I am, the better, the more I'm taking care of myself, the better I show up in any relationship. Yes. With my husband, with my friends, with the, the parasocial relationships around me, you know, and, and show, that, to show up authentically and not in a place of like what people might expect of me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think we need to keep. Well, I think our culture tells us self-care is yoga and massages and rest and all these very concrete actions. But I think that these subtle moments we were talking about of walking away and going into the bathroom and closing the door and looking in the mirror and checking in with our own experience. Mm -hmm. And it takes three minutes maybe, right? Or Mm -hmm. holding our body or doing the the movement you were talking about from your therapist, moving out of your brain into your heart. That for me, I believe I want more parents to understand like these micro moments are mm-hmm. the ultimate self-care, forgiving yourself. Yes. The brain believes what it's told when you lose your shiitake on your kids before school, you know, dropping them off and saying to yourself, hey, I must have been having a hard time. I'm a good person. 
Mm -hmm. It's okay. I forgive myself, right? Those little invisible free actions really add up to a shifted version of ourselves. For sure. Yeah. If we're able to go into self-compassion more quickly Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. less into like, holy shit, I'm a bad mom. I'm Mm -hmm. a bad parent. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. screwed everything up. What am I going to do? And oh my God. Yeah. Mm -mm. Compassion. It's okay. What do I need right now? How can I care for myself? Love us as much as they like. They love us so much, especially when they're super young. I don't know how much you're getting that from your 14 year old. I know she loves you, but right. Just that like that unconditional forgiveness that our littles really give us so naturally. And I'm Mm -hmm. always reminding parents and reminding myself, I just got to love myself as much as they freaking love me because yeah, that's my answer. You know? Yeah. Little Gus, he's seven and he really, yes, it's still love. love. And I'm soaking it all up. Oh yeah, girl. Yeah. Oh, you deserve it. And yeah, little (laughs) boys and their mamas. Oh, glasses. He's so cute. (laughs) He is really cute. Well, this has been such a great conversation. And I would love to have you back to talk about when you are offering more, more of your art to the world, because you have so much to provide. And it's been such a joy to connect with you and just receive what you're putting out in your beautiful, authentic way. Thanks, Anne. I really like you. And um, (laughs) I always come away from a conversation with you feeling lifted and and loved and you offer that. And I'm just grateful that you are tapping into all of that energy and allowing it. It's just like flowing out of you and I see it and I'm celebrating you. Oh, that is the highest compliment. Thank you so much for saying that. That's, that's what i want to be doing you're doing it it's it's being received Mm -hmm. all right well let's have let's have brunch soon okay let's do it thanks everybody thanks for listening bye what a wonderful conversation you guys i hope it really resonated with you and please let me know over on instagram if there's some element you want to hear more about i'm always here for that feedback and i wanted to add here too that There's a book I really recommend and I'm going to put it in the show notes if you want to dig deeper into the concept of codependency and you're kind of like, hmm, that feels like I might need to know more about that one. Melody Beattie, the queen of codependency, has a book called The Language of Letting Go and it's this really timeless yearly reader and it's just excellent to put near your commode, maybe your bedside and just start to wrap your head around this concept and it's really cool the way that these books that have a daily reading can just give you exactly what you need on that day. And we just always love that. We feel like there's kind of magical forces conspiring for our growth. So wanted to add that. And otherwise we did it. We got another episode down. I hope you feel a little bit lighter, a little more hopeful. And like, you just have a big old permission slip to choose you figure out what you need turn that finger back on yourself and put your hand on your heart and just really just nurture that beautiful relationship with yourself. We're coming home to ourselves now and I'm on the journey with you. So thank you so much for being here. I'll talk to you later.